0: The book of romans again you say again a year ago 2020 on the first sunday in february is when i actually launched the book of romans last year and we had gotten about four or five messages in and then the pandemic hit and uh in that journey the pandemic right away i was like god what do i need to do continue romans or speak to what we're dealing with in our culture and i felt like it needed to speak to what was going on in our culture and so we took a a left turn away from the book of Romans, so to speak. And then racial tension started to elevate, and so I felt like it wasn't time to go back to Romans. It was time to continue to speak on what's going on in our culture. All the time, in the back of my head, asking God, when should we start Romans? When should I dive back into it? And it was just felt like last year it needed to be set aside. And as we, t- as we got in the fall of last year, I was thinking that we would be turning a corner after the New Year and use this this letter, this great book, to teach us for most of 2021. And so here we are starting again. I, I, and I'm going to begin at the very beginning because I would imagine that if you were with us last year, you're probably going, I remember us starting the book of Romans, but I don't remember much about what it was, what it was about or, or I need a refresher. And quite honestly, I know that when I open up my notes and I started preparing, I needed a refresher. So if I needed it, I know you all need it because I was like, what did I preach and what was that about? And so we're going to start right at the very beginning. Plus, we have folks who are newer with us who weren't with us last year. So I want us all to begin together in this great letter. Now, you may say, well, why the book of Romans? Why not Genesis? Or why not um, Isaiah? Or why not Philippians? Or why not Matthew? Or why not Revelation? And those would be all great books. And I've done some of those books before. But there's there's a reason why. Part of it is... God has been nudging me in the book of Romans to preach and to teach it for probably three or four years. Like, Brian, you need to teach this book. And I have needed to learn more about it and and also had to overcome maybe some of my fears, which I still enter this book with a little bit of fear bringing it to you because I want to make sure I teach it accurately uh, with the power of the Spirit that's inside of me. But the big why is this. This book is a life-changing book. Dramatically life-changing changing book. Matter of fact, I believe that so much that if we did not have the rest of the Bible, if we didn't have the Old Testament, if we didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and if we didn't have the rest of the New Testament, if all we had was the book of Romans, I still think we would have a lot of life change take place. We would get the grasp of who Jesus is and what our relationship looks like with him. And so since it's such a life-changing book, I want you to hear some stories of people's lives who have been changed. So my intention is to share some life change that has taken place because of the study of this great book. Matter of fact, you've probably heard of Martin Luther. Who has heard of Martin Luther before? Raise your hand in here if you're in here. Yeah, most of us have heard of Martin Luther. We maybe know a little, bit, oh yeah, he was in that history book I read something about in college, or he was a somebody I learned about in in religious school some years ago. Let me remind you about who Martin Luther was. He was an Augustinian monk, a a priest, a professor at the sacred, Sacred Theology in the Catholic University of Wittenberg. In other words, he was a pretty sharp, intelligent man. He started teaching his students a letter of Romans in November of 1515, and he spent time in Romans, he says, daily for a year or more, just studying it and preparing for his lectures. And as he studied and prepared his lectures, he became very focused on the idea of the doctrine of justification by faith. Like, what is this doctrine all about that I keep reading about in this letter of Romans? And listen to what Luther wrote. He said, I greatly longed to understand Paul's epistle to the Romans and nothing stood in a way but that one expression, the righteousness of God, because I took it to mean that righteousness whereby God is righteous and deals righteously in punishing the unrighteous. Night and day I pondered until I grasped the truth that the righteousness of God is that righteousness whereby through grace and sheer mercy, he justifies us by faith. Thereupon, I felt myself to be reborn and to have gone through open doors into paradise. The whole of scripture took on a new meaning. And whereas before the righteousness of God had filled me with hate, it now began to fill me inexpressibly with a sweet life, love. The passage of Paul became to me the gateway to heaven. The gateway to heaven. This week I sat in a dining room with a lady who has been told that she has cancer. The doctor said, with no treatment, you probably have three months of life left. With treatment, you may have a year left. And we sat and we talked. And you know what our talk turned to pretty quickly? Heaven. She said, I'm not worried. She said, I look forward. Heaven. She said, I, I can see my husband again. It's been a long time. And she had some tears rolled down her eyes. She said, I haven't cried much in this. She said, these are not tears of sadness, they're tears of joy, because I know heaven's coming. Because she understood what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus. She understood what faith was, and it was a beautiful discussion. I find that when you face death with heaven looking forward, death can actually be beautiful. Death can actually be a good thing. Luther discovered that he didn't need to look to his works. He didn't need to look to his behavior he, or his obedience or his, to determine his standing before God, where he used to have a works-based mindset. He's like, it's not about works. He discovered that the believer had the full righteousness of Christ who fulfilled the law because Jesus fulfilled the law, and you have that by faith. He now understood his peace didn't come from acts of goodness. Is that not good news? I think it's good news that when I mess up, when I fail, when I stumble, when I sin, when I don't meet the standard because my faith is in Jesus, my hope is still in heaven. And he found rest and peace and confidence in the proclamation of God that the sinner is righteous because he's covered by the righteousness of Christ and not by things he has done or he hasn't done. Luther said, Romans is the chief part of the New Testament and the perfect gospel. I love that statement. The chief part of the New Testament and the perfect gospel. His discovery through the studies of the letter of Romans led him to go up against the Catholic Church. Remember, he's teaching in one of the highest Catholic schools of all time, universities. And he goes up against the Catholic church because as he started to study the book of Romans, he's went, wait, things I've been taught in my Catholic upbringing and my studies, I don't agree with now because they don't align with Scripture. And you may have heard that he's known for nailing the 95 Theses to the door of Castle in Wittenberg in Germany. And his 95 Theses was, here's 95 things I disagree with about what I've learned in the Catholic Church because here's what the Scriptures teach. Led Martin then to be known as the leader of the Protestant Reformation. And a lot of what we have today came because of his history. Now, I don't have time to talk more about his life. But if you understand the journey of his life in Christ, the book of Romans has brought total life change. And here's what I want to tell you today. The book of Romans can do the same in your life. Total, complete, utter life change. See, when you walk through the New Testament, you have the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. What are they about? What are they about? Jesus they're about the life of Christ. Who is Jesus, right? He came. He lived. Here's his ministry. He died on the cross. They're about Jesus. Then you hit the, book, hit the book of Acts. What's the book of Acts about? The church and how the church expands and how the church grows and how the church spread. And then we get to the book of Romans and it's about what difference does Jesus make? So if we know about Jesus, and we see the church and how it's growing and spreading, well, what, G- what difference does the cross, the death, the burial, the resurrection, what difference does it re- really make? Romans is written by the Apostle Paul. It, he, he's empowered by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit tells him and guides him. Here's what I want you to write. He writes around A.D. 56-57. He's staying in Corinth. Uh, the chief seaport of ancient Greece at the home of his friend, a, a convert by the name of Gaius or Gaius. Paul had been an itinerant preacher for nearly 20 years. Itinerant means he traveled around preaching and teaching. Remember the missionary journeys? If you read through the book of Acts, he went on three distinct missionary journeys where he's preaching and teaching, and he's establishing churches, and he's helping people come to know Jesus, and he's seen the gospel of God's salvation through Jesus Christ change lives, the Jews and the Gentiles, those who were bound by the law and those who didn't know the law, those who were not even accepted by the Jewish law. He said when they come to know Jesus, he saw all their lives be changed, and now He's writing down in letter form the account of what he had been teaching for 20 years. I get excited about that. You you stop and think about it. Wait a minute. Paul, who went on these three missionary journeys, preaching and teaching from one city to another city, establishing churches, telling people who Jesus is, telling people how to become saved, telling people about all this good news, he then stops and says, wait a minute, we got to capture this. Let me write it down for all the people coming in 2021. they got to know about it, too. Does that not fire you up? I mean, we have what Paul was telling people about. It blows my mind. Because Romans is that full statement of Paul the missionary. It's his message. We don't have to doubt. Well, what did he say when he went to Ephesus? What did he say when he went to Philippi? What did he say when he went to Corinth? What was he telling them? This is what he was telling them. And unlike these other letters that Paul had written, Paul had visited all those places. He had been to them, but Romans, he had never been to Rome. The church had been established and started by some other believers, but he writes this letter, and he knew the other churches personally, but not this one. So today, we start to dig into this letter, and I want us to begin by just focusing on the main purpose of the letter. If you go to the bookstore, for instance, or if you get online, Amazon, you're like, I want to buy a book, what do we usually do? We open it, it has a, a, a paper cover on it. We read the flaps on the inside, right? We read the back of it and go, well, what's this book about? Do I really want to buy this book? Do I want to spend the money? If you're online, you may read it, and then you look at some reviews, and people are like, I love the book, I hate the book. But if there's a whole bunch of people saying, I love the book, you say, well, I need to buy that book, I need to study it. If you're going to spend time and money buying a book, what do you want to do? Well, I want to read it and study it. I, I want to tell you something right now. It is worth your time and your energy to invest into understanding Romans. It is worth every second of time you will put in. It is worth your time to say, you know what? I'm going to open this letter daily, and I want to read it. I'm going to try to understand it. It's worth your time and effort to say, I'm going to get in one of those groups that that preacher keeps talking about because they do that growth guide thing, which we've been talking about, and I'm going to study it so when I go to my group, I can talk more about it and try to glean more understanding and really understand it. It's worth your time, worth your energy. The heart of this letter is about the purpose of the gospel. And very simply, the gospel is good news. Good news. And it's not just good news. It's so much more than good news. But let me ask you, do you think you could use some good news in our culture today? Need some good news in your week? Y'all got to help me out here a little bit. These, These masks are keeping you down. If you got to, pull it down a little bit and talk to me here. Give me some feedback. Our world is full of bad news. And if you turn on the television for a few seconds, you go to a news channel, it's super bad news. If you go to your Facebook or you go to your, to your Instagram or you go to your, to your tweet, it's, it's full of, of news, of junk, and we need some good news. I'm going to make you a promise. While we're walking through the book of Romans... You may be walking through some bad news or some challenging times in your life. I promise when you come in here on Sundays, you're going to hear good news. Because the book of Romans is filled with good news. It's not just good news, it's great news. And that's why I called this sermon series The Greatest Letter of Good News, because that's what it is. It's the best news ever. Better than saying... I'm getting married. Hey, that's good news, but this is better than that. I'm having a baby. That's good news, but this is better than that. I'm having a grandchild. Hey, that's good news, but this is better than that. I want a million dollars. I mean, that's tremendous news. This is better than that. I promise. See, my hope for you, my hope for us, my hope for me, is that as we study it, as we unpack it, as we dive into it, as we dig into it, my hope is that, that you'll want to share it with other people that you'll, you'll grab onto it so much, you're like, I've got to share this with somebody else. Why is that? Because good news is meant to be shared. See, here, here's the problem. Most people don't understand what the gospel is about. I imagine if I took a survey on the way in here today or on the way out of here before, before I preach this message, and I asked you, tell me what the gospel is, I'd have a plethora of ideas of what the gospel is. And some would probably be right on around it, and some would be right on it, and some may be way over here. If you ask some people what is Christianity about, you'd get a mix. If you went out here and did a man on a street video or interview and you said, hey, tell me, what's Christianity about? Some people would say, well, that's, probably a, that's a religion about just loving other people. That's a religion teach you how to be kind. That's a religion full of a bunch of rules. You'd get a mix of kind of, of, of ideas. And some of those things are good, good advice, but they're surely not good news. Because this, this gospel we're going to dive into and we're going to learn about, it's great news, it's life-changing news, it's eternity-changing news, it's soul-changing news, it's spirit-changing news. It, it, it can change the direction of your life if you'll allow it, if you're willing to learn it. It's the best news you've ever heard, and I promise it's the best news you could ever share. So this week and next week, I want us to dive in and learn six key truths about the gospel. Today we're going to tackle just two of them. Look at Romans chapter one with me. And here's two key verses. One, I want to encourage you to learn, encourage you to memorize. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written: the righteous shall live by faith. This that's Romans in a condensed version. You want to understand Romans? There it is. It's two verses. And then the rest of the book unpacks those two verses and what Paul is talking about. He says, I'm not ashamed of what? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And so we need to understand this gospel that Paul is talking about. So here's our first key truth. God gave us this gospel. Paul, Romans 1.1, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of Brian. Is that what it says? For the gospel of Paul. For the gospel of Peter. For the gospel of Matthew. That's not what it says. Paul says this is oh, the gospel of God. It's not made up by any man, in other words. Paul said it's the gospel of God. In other words, this message that we're studying is from God. Did Paul write it down? Yes. Paul, empowered by the Holy Spirit, is the one who penned it. But Paul talks a lot about God in this letter. Over 140 times he mentions God and brings up the name of God. And so this gospel that we're going to study, this gospel that we're going to understand, comes from God, not from some human. Now look at the next verse. Look at verse 2. Which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures uh, it's not made up and this gospel was promised beforehand in other words this is not some afterthought god doesn't do afterthought god didn't go oh look at those people are messing this world up i got to figure out a plan how to take care of that i didn't know they were going to do that I mean, God knew what we were going to do. He knew the choices we were going to make. He knew that sin was going to take place. God had a plan, and he kept the plan. He, he knows the beginning, and he knows the end. The theologians call that omniscient, being all-knowing. He knows everything. He doesn't just learn things and go, oh, they're doing that. I better react how to take care of that. That's what we do as parents. Our kids do something we're like, oh, my goodness, why did they do that? Now what am I going to do to get the back online? No, God already had a plan in their life. God had a plan for our lives. God knew before he created the earth that mankind would disobey and that mankind would rebel against him. He knew that, and he also knew how much he loved us. He knew how much he cared about us. He knew that we need to be saved. He knew that we need to be forgiven. God planned, and he willed, and he created the gospel because it's from God. He put it together. We see this in another one of Paul's letters. It's called the, the letter of Ephesians, where Paul preached to the church in Ephesus. And it says, how blessed is God and what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind. He had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole, And holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. Again, Paul is saying, listen, God cares about you. God knows you. God knows your shortcomings. God knows the good and the bad. And no matter what, what your situation, Paul's like, listen, God loves you. That's good news. That is great news. You mean I can mess up and God loves me? Yes. Yes. You, you mean I could be way wa- wayward and, and off my path with God and God loves me? Yes. You, you mean that I've never even chosen God, I've never even succumbed to his, to his relationship, I've been running from God, I've been ignoring God, and he still loves me? Yes! And Paul's like, listen, you're not an accident. God's been watching over you, he cares about you, and the gospel makes all this possible. From God, and so God gave us this gospel, and we've got to understand the second truth that the gospel is about Jesus. Look at verses three and four, concerning His Son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now you say, what was that saying? I think there's a key little phrase to focus in on there, and it says concerning his son. That's Jesus Christ. This gospel from God is concerning his son, a descendant of David, of King David, Jesus, who claimed to be God. He's the son of God. God was his father. He was one with the Father and one in purpose. And so if Jesus wasn't telling the truth, then he wasn't to be resurrected or he wouldn't have been resurrected. This proves that he was who he said he was and he did what he claimed to do and what he came to do was accepted and planned by God. He was actually fulfilling God's plan. The gospel centers around Jesus. The gospel, when Paul says this gospel, he's talking about this gospel that centered around Jesus, that he came for us, that he took away our sin, that he took our place, that he died on the cross for us, that, that his blood covers our sin, and because he rose again, we live, and we can live in eternity. That's what Paul's talking about when he says the gospel. Here's the deal. When we know the gospel, we share it. Paul doesn't want us to know the gospel and then go, I'm going to keep that all to myself. Let let, let me just think of it this way with you. If you were to win a million dollars, would you keep that a secret for a little while? because here's what's going to happen. You're going to win a million dollars. You'll be like, I can't tell anybody, because then my, my great aunties going to come after some money, and my long lost sons going to come after some money, and so i got to keep all this to myself, but here's what's going to happen. You're going to go buy yourself a brand new nice car. You might get yourself a nice brand new house. You might go on some lavish vacations, and then your friends will start asking and going, well, where are you getting all this money? Well, let me tell you a little secret. I won a million dollars. See, when you know Jesus and you get in a relationship with Jesus and and you've actually met Jesus and you understand the gospel, at first you may be like, how do I tell this? But when you really let Jesus change your life, people start going, hey, why are you different? You know, you're not doing this anymore and you're going over to church down here and you're doing this and you say, yeah, I've got to tell you something. I've met Jesus. And you start understanding the gospel. And we do a thing called evangelism. What's the purpose of evangelism? Why do we do it? Some would say, well, Matthew 28, where Jesus told us go in all the world, preach, teach, baptize, uh, bring people to Christ. Well, that's correct, but I don't think it's the primary reason. Some would say, well, why do we do evangelism? Well, we do it because we love people. We don't want anyone to perish. We don't want anyone to go to hell. Well, that's correct. But again, I don't think it's the primary reason. Those are good reasons. But not the main reason. Look at verse 5. I think it tells us the main reason. Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. For the sake of his name. Why would we tell anybody about Jesus for the sake of his name? The glory of his name? How majestic he is? How awesome he is? We would want want them to know how great Jesus is. That's the book of Romans. Paul says, I want you to know how great God is and how great Jesus is. I'm going to put all this down on a piece of paper. I'm going to put it into a book. And so that not only will they be able to read it now, they'll read it for the next hundred years, and the next thousand years, and the next couple thousand years. And so that in 2021, we have this great letter that's given to us, and we can read it and go, oh, that's for me too? It's a proclamation about how great Jesus is, and what he's done for us. And so when we share Jesus, the name of Jesus, we're doing it for the sake of his name. Paul writes in Philippians 2, he says, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God has highly exalted, lifted up Jesus. That's Lord. That's His name. It's above every other name. In other words, He's in charge. He's the one we we worship. He rules. He's the one we follow. He's the one that we adore. And we share the gospel so that all creation all creation might know the, the glorious, the majestic, the goodness, the righteousness, the grace, the love, the mercy of Jesus Christ our Lord. And so we want everybody to know that. My prayer this year is that as we walk through Romans, you get so excited about it, You're like, I can't keep this Christianity thing to myself. We Christians, especially in our culture today, very easy to be silent Christians. Wait a minute, if I speak up, I'm going to be silenced and they're going to shout me down and No, we we need to get a new fervor within us to go, I can share the name of Jesus. And it's my job to share the name of Jesus. It's my job to let people know who Jesus is. It's my job to share this gospel message. Church, I, I want us to think biblically. And I want us to think theologically. And I don't want us to think with the mind of humanity see here's the struggle when we dive into this book we're going to start thinking well i think well i believe well let's test that against what the scripture says and we need to think biblically and theologically see many believe that jesus is a good guy many people say oh yeah jesus yeah he lived on this earth yeah he wanted yeah he was a good person they're thinking with human wisdom not with god's wisdom when we think with human wisdom, what happens is we depreciate God making him less than what he really is. And so we're talking about understanding identity. As we go on this journey, we're going to get this big idea of who God is and then who Jesus is. And then we're going to understand who we are in that relationship. And so we understand God's identity and Jesus' identity and who we are in our identity in Christ then what happens is we understand it, and then we start to live it. We go, I have some good news, great news taking over my life. That's the book of Romans. I know Romans is deep. It's going to stretch your mind. It's going to stretch me to, to preach and to teach it every single week, and I'm excited about that. We're, we're going to be stretched by Scripture, and this is much different than any other sermon series I've done. Most of my sermon series have been probably 4, six, eight, 12 weeks. One, one year I would preach through the book of Acts. I think it was 32 weeks. Some people say, well, how long are you going to be in Romans? I, I don't know. It's going to be the majority of our teaching for 2021. We may take a little break around Easter, maybe a little bit of a summer break, but it's going to be the majority of our teaching this year as we walk through this great letter. So we're on a journey together, and I want to encourage you to dive in. Get a Bible reading plan and say, I'm going to read through Romans. I'm going to reread through Romans. And we put a resource. I don't have it on the screen. I should have put it up there, but we'll promote it. But mycpointcom forward slash Romans. We've created a, a, a web page on our, on our website. It's just about Romans. That's where you'll be able to find the growth guide. You say, I'd like to download that growth guide and have it as a PDF form so I can write with pencil and paper. All my small group leaders, I emailed that out to you the other day. You can download that and you can use that and print it. On that, on that one page, we have some videos already posted, videos that we found, some resources that will help us dive in and go, okay, I want to get an understanding of this because it'll be impossible for me to cover Romans just in what we do on Sunday mornings, and so that's going to be a resource page. As we find other resources, that's where we're going to post them at. You say, well, I missed a message. Well, you can go back there, and it'll click you right to the previous messages as we go on this journey together. Here's what I believe. I believe we are capable of thinking deeply about Scripture. And I believe our world needs us to think deeply, and I believe our world needs to dive deeper into the Word of God because our world and our country and our city has become too biblically illiterate. Hence why maybe we're in some of the crazy mess we're in in this crazy world. It's all about Him. See, some people have a very man-centered Christianity. What do I want? Does it make sense with me? If it makes sense with me, then that's good. That's their approach. That makes God a whole lot less. We need to have a God-centered approach, a God-centered focus, a Jesus-centered focus, kind of like Isaiah chapter 6. It gives us a glimpse of who Jesus is and how great he is. The angels are worshiping Jesus, and Jesus is pictured sitting on the throne, and the glory fills the temple, and the angels are shouting, holy, 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 Because they understand the glory of Jesus. What does it mean? It refers to his complete uniqueness, that he's not like anything else. He's nothing like you and I could ever think of or ever imagine or ever create in our minds. What are they saying? He's saying, there's no one like you anywhere. My prayer is, as we go through Romans, our holy will come from holy, 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 to holy, 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 holy. Oh God, you are so holy. Because as we study Romans, our, our thought of his holiness and his greatness should just be elevated. See, they're lifting up that greatness of God. And they never get tired of it. Never, never get tired of it. Like They will never miss a worship time. They'll never miss a time to be in God's Word. They'll never miss a time to bow at his feet. When we get to heaven, we'll finally understand what that is like to never get tired of marveling at how great our God is. God is great. This gospel is from God. The gospel, it's about Jesus. This gospel, it's for you and me and for this world, for them to know. And that's the message of Paul in Romans. I invite you. Let's go on a journey together. Father God.